Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. The gang's all here to talk about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night. Well, three of us will be talking about the paranormal. Matt Costa, the silent assassin, will be extra silent tonight. You don't have a microphone. I can share. I know they stole my microphone. You, you know That's what it is? It's the man trying maybe to silence you. Maybe it'll actually be like labeled right. His, yeah, somebody's alarm's going off. I don't see any lights flashing. I don't think it's any of ours. Maybe it's not. Oh, may, maybe maybe somebody wants to say hi. Hello, how are you? If you're out there listening, thank you for coming all the way down here in the inclement weather and hanging out. Well, uh, we are here again to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night, and we are. Shifting gears a little bit here tonight, changing things up a little bit. We had planned on having uh, Lynn Marie in studio, but Stephanie, you know, she has to travel, so... She does a whole hour, and with the, the freeze, freezing ice and whatever it's doing out there right now, it's and snowing it's, and not It's snowing. worse where she's coming from. It is. So we're, I mean, we take it for granted because we're here on the south coast where we get a lot of rain mixture and all that, but... Right. We don't want to put anybody in harm's way just for this show. No, we don't. We don't even put ourselves in harm's way for this show. No. Nope. Like, if we open up the door and it's like 9.30 and there's snow coming out, we're like, eh, pfft, not doing it tonight. <laughs> I, do you think somebody's in distress? I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of laying of the horn going on out there. Or just really obnoxious. Yeah, it's probably somebody, like, waiting for somebody to come out of the restaurant. They're going to make it out waiting for their gold finger. <laughs> Come on! I need my midnight towering fudge cake. Which is the best thing to get to go. So we will postpone the show with Lynn Marie. And, and the, the great thing about that is when we do that show, and she's here giving live tower readings, we'll have Spooky TV running. Oh, wow. Okay. So people will be able to see the cards. Awesome. So they won't think we're just making it up. Which is good. Because, you know, radio, you know, it's theater of the mind. It's... It, 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 but I always wondered, like, you hear some of these old radio shows. Uh, do you really think, like, Edgar Bergen really did ventriloquism when he had Charlie McCarthy and he was doing that show? You know, do you really think it's this Jeep right here that is the problem? There's a Jeep Liberty that keeps driving around and laying on the horn. Okay, then. So, I don't know. <laughs> if you're trying to get us to acknowledge you, then... There you go. You got it. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I don't think that he always, like, worked the dummy, you know, when he was on the radio. I'm sure not. So people would be suspicious that maybe we're not actually reading the cards. Well, that Lynn Marie isn't actually reading the cards. But that will be the case, and we will have Spooky TV up and running when we do that show. And we have a, actually have it up and running right now at Spooky TV. I'm sorry, at SpookySouthCoast.com slash Spooky TV. And you think we would have bought, like, a shorter URL for that. <laughs> Those cost money, which you can donate to us by going to gofundme.com slash spooky south coast. Shameless plug. We should actually have a URL for that too. Giveusmoney.com. There you go. But uh, yeah, we could use some donations. We always appreciate donations. This show, of course, is paid for by listeners like you and a corporation for public broadcast. No, not the corporation. We come out here every Saturday night. Because we love you. Hours of free entertainment. We post up the podcast. We don't charge any money for people to download all the past episodes. Every show we've ever done is available for download. We have YouTube videos, all kinds of things. SpookySouthCoast.com, all kinds of free content. What's a few bucks? 
to throw our way to help support the show. And so the idea behind Spooky TV is you can see what's going on in the studio. Tonight, you're just going to see us hanging out. You know, nothing, nothing exciting happening in here tonight, but that's all right, because we're going to talk with you. Since we don't have our guests, I did invite somebody else on. You did. I did. Against my advice. It would have been a very interesting discussion. But, alas, we can't... It could have opened it up to a lot of um, craziness or bullying. Right. And I would have been afraid for the guest and, mm-hmm. and what she might have had to endure, but I felt like it was worth... She puts this information out there, so it's worth sharing with people in the paranormal world. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to work on getting her to agree to come on. Okay, then. Because uh, I'll tell you guys off the air, because I don't want to... I don't want to discuss it and, and tease the audience too much if we can't get into it. But we figured tonight we would share uh, some of your stories with us. We tried this a few months ago. I guess maybe I was high on the buzz of all the Twitter followers from Ghost Stalkers. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden I open up my Twitter, I have like 900 new followers. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do a live call-in show. And I put it out there and people were like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll call in. And I think we got two calls that night. So, which, you know, is pretty much what our batting average has been in the past anyway, because we're on on Saturday nights when we're live. We get hundreds of thousands of downloads every week of this show, but when it's a live Saturday night, the people who have the stories to share and the questions to ask are usually out in the field. Right. You know, and... and How about this as an idea? Have people email us their stories and we can read them on here. We did that. We, we read four or five of them. We got tweets of stories, but, but we just couldn't get the, calls. get the calls. Because I want to be able to f- ask follow-up questions. I want to be able to have... And I can read anything somebody sends me, mm-hmm. but it's not my story. So the believability of the story can be impaired by the person that's reading it. You see what I mean? Gotcha. Like, if you hear it from somebody themselves, it means a whole lot more. And I can tell you, you know, I was in this place and I saw a shadow figure and you hear me saying that and you can be like a big deal I've been tons of places and seen shadow figures what's the big deal but unless I tell you the emotional recollection of that you know what I mean like that's kind of the words on the page convey the story but people's voices can convey the feeling what about short videos we can take those too and they can tweet them to us they can record them on vine uh, they can, what, Instagram video us? I don't know how else people send video. But Is Vine still cool? I don't know if it's still cool, but people are using it still. Okay. And when people use it, I always say, really, Vine? You're just getting on that? The only reason I downloaded Vine was because you and Costa were on it. That, that, it was awesome for, like, the time. Yeah, there was, like, but, a, a week where we uh, did Twitter that. actually has a video function Twitter now video? with the new, the new update, so you can... And how long does that go for? I don't know. 140 characters, I guess. Video, translated to video. As soon as you say 140 letters, they're like, you're done. But there's lots of ways that people can share with us. Tonight, we will open the phone lines. 508-996-0500, They'll be open throughout the show. And also, uh, Matt and Stephanie, you guys are on Twitter. I have Twitter here. You can talk about the show using the hashtag SpookyLive. We'll do things that way as well. Anybody have anything that they want to discuss to start off? I have something I'd like to discuss. <laughs> Way to answer your own question. Well, but I don't want to. I don't want to take over. Well, I can well, tell well, you. Well, actually, yeah. Let's talk about what, why Moniz wasn't here last week. He was actually out in the field. Yeah, I was uh, hanging out at Lizzie's. Um, 
a friend, Jennifer, had organized an event there, and a couple of other friends uh, invited me along and wanted me to be basically a tour guide for the night. They had probably about half the group, which would, I would say about 10 to 12 people, that had never gone and done an investigation before. And what I did is I took this group in, and I taught them how to do EVPs, just using the regular recorder on their phone and stuff like that. And within 10, 15 minutes of trying, they each all got their own little EVPs, and it made them happy. And I, after I showed them how to do it with my equipment, and uh, they proceeded to have a very fun evening. And uh, I, I think we have some new ghost hunters and up and coming now and uh, the house definitely was active let's put it that way well the uh i mean I say, people will listen to that and say wow i mean they, they just start doing this for the first time and they're getting stuff right away like you kind of have to understand lizzie borden's can be that way yeah there's nights where you can go there and nothing, nothing. happens <laughs> and there's nights where you can go there where a ton of stuff happens and it's just insane uh, the amount of activity that'll happen. So it's it's really like one of those places where, yeah, you could walk in and have your first paranormal experience and your second and your third and your fourth all in the same night. So, uh, and, and I'm just glad that, you know, the, this time of year when people can get in there and they can have the house to themselves, that seems to be when it's at its most active. You know, you feel bad when, uh, nothing against Lizzie Borden, it's a business. Leanne has to yeah. pay the bills, and 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 she and, it, and people don't realize every time she opens that door for somebody, it's costing her money. So she needs to make sure that she's making that money back. It has to be worth the time. It's costing her money when there's nobody there, right? But I mean, even just to let you in, all of a sudden now, like it, it just doubled whatever it would have cost yeah. us sit there. So I feel bad when people do rent the house out and nothing happens. You know, you've had the opportunity to have the entire house to yourself for as long as you've had it for. And nothing goes on. You, you feel kind of bad, not too bad because you got to spend the night in one of the coolest places in the world. Yeah, I mean historically, even if nothing happens, you're there in a place that gripped the nation for literally months back in the 1800s. But it, at the same time, it's kind of rare when people do rent the house out to themselves in the winter time, and nothing happens. Uh, you know, usually when you do, there's some that you go home with a story. So. I'm glad that that was able to happen for those folks last week. And I'm actually excited. We'll be back there in a couple of weeks yep. for Dead of Winter. And we did not do Dead of Summer this year. A lot of people asked, gee, why didn't you guys do Dead of Summer? Well, there was a couple of reasons behind that. One, we have the opportunity to do a place that nobody had ever done before with Edaville, USA. Yeah. And the kid in me couldn't say no to Edaville. And we were kind of at their mercy for picking dates. You know, it was kind of making sure that we found something that worked for us and the park, because the park's always busy. So that was part of it. There was also another Lizzie Borden event from our friends at the Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society up in uh, northern Massachusetts. They had actually rented the house out for an event. So we didn't want to be too competitive with them for them for their ticket sales. Didn't want to step on toes. Right. And, well, it's, it's more of a matter of, like, we're we're all friends. We can all work together. But... You don't want to give people that choice and, and have them have to pick one over the other, you know? Yeah. So let them have their chance, and we, we do Dead of Winter, and everything works out well for everybody. So that was part of it. But at the same time, you, know, you miss being in there with a bunch of people, having that opportunity like you had last week where you see people having their first experience there. You know, that's one of those things that every year when, you know, my ass might start to drag a little bit when it comes to the paranormal, 
going to Lizzie's and seeing people have experiences is a good kick in it to get me moving again. So I'm excited for that. And I'm excited because we've got some new equipment that we'll be trying out. Um, I know that Jeff has, or I, th- I think he will have, or if he doesn't already have, the new device from Bill Chapel that replaced the Connect um, yeah. camera system, which now it's completely portable. He doesn't have to carry in 4,000 boxes or, or make <laughs> us carry in 4,000 boxes of stuff to hook it up. So we'll be able to utilize that. And uh, I don't think we'll have this new device by then because they're saying that we're probably going to get it closer to May. But I can talk about it a little bit because we're going to be discussing this coming up in two weeks on the show. We're going to have the creator and the brains behind the new device called the Ghost Arc. We've mentioned it a little bit here on the show in the past. And... This is going to revolutionize paranormal research if it is indeed what we're hoping that it will be. I spent 45 minutes on the phone this afternoon with the developers of this technology, mm-hmm. uh, with the designer, with the creator, and with a go-between, a translator, because they're Italian. <laughs> and I don't speak Italian. The, Shame on you. The most Italian I know is the Lorenzo's menu. Yeah. So there's a little plug for Lorenzo's. Make sure you mention that next time you go in. You get an extra meatball. It's where I went for dinner this evening. <laughs> so the, uh, you know, and, and I was a little bit worried that it wasn't going to work out, but it was actually a very free-flowing conversation. Everything went very well. Uh, so we set it up for them to come on the program in a couple of weeks. But I was asking kind of some free questions to get some ideas about what the ghost arc is going to be and if it's going to work. Because we see a lot of different types of equipment come through. When you're in a paranormal group and you're out there investigating, you're limited pretty much to the technology that your group has Mm -hmm. that you can afford. It's usually when you go to these conventions like Salem Con, which is coming up in April. We'll we'll be there. You can come and check us out there. But if you go to one of those things, then you can kind of see what other people are using. But otherwise, it's either what your group can afford, what you're seeing online, what you're watching on the paranormal TV shows. So... You don't have the chance to get hands-on with a lot of the different stuff. So you're taking a crapshoot. If you if you say, all right, well, this new device is $250, and you know people are using it and saying that it does great things, I'm going to go out and buy it. And then you get it, and you have no idea how to work it, or you're not comfortable with it, or what have you. You know, then what ends up happening? You end up having to throw it up on eBay and settling for you know whatever you can get for it. The uh, EchoVox app which actually has a brand-new update out there. It just was released today. Some lucky folks got it last night. So if you actually have not updated that, you, you can do that now. But And I was going to ask Dan if he wanted to come on and talk about that tonight, but he's being bombarded with people <laughs> and all the results that they're getting from this now. But, you know, that's that's a $20 app. There were people using it last weekend, and it was giving some pretty interesting results. I, I do like it. I like the fact that it, it, it seems to deliver. But it's it's a big investment for somebody that's never done this before. And when you turn that on, you have no idea what it's saying. You have no idea how to make it work. You have no idea what it's doing. So when you download that app, if it's your first time ever seeing it, it's a little bit overwhelming. But if you come to an event where somebody has it, and you have the chance to see them use it and see, have them see it in action. And, of course, I'm saying all this. I know everybody can go on YouTube, watch videos, all that. But still, it doesn't replace having it in your hands. So that's what I love about the events is a chance for people to look and see what you're carrying around in your gear bag and say, I'd like to try that. 
I'd like to use that. And that's what we do. We put them out there for people to actually use and for people to try out. And I think that approach is probably, at least if I'm a consumer, that makes me feel better about spending my dollar is the fact that I've actually gotten to try it out. You know, I, I don't think I'd ever gone to the store and ever just bought something off the shelf that's three or $400. I want to see a demo. I want to see a, a floor model before I drop that kind of money. And that's what's great about Legend Trips is we can kind of be the floor model of these. So that's why I talked to the guys from Ghost Ark to see if we can get one of these devices. And they actually, before I even really had the chance to bring it up to them, they offered to have us beta test them because they know that Spooky South Coast and Legend Trips are two of the more trusted names. And they know that we'll give them a fair... And they even said, like, we don't want you to take this device and use it and then write us and tell us how great it is. We want you to give us an honest assessment of what you think of it. And I can tell you that just in talking with them, a lot of my questions that I had about this device have been answered. That's awesome. Moniz, what's the first question that you would ask if somebody tells you, I have this all-in-one paranormal device, which is going to cover, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it'll cover. It has a ghost box, which will do uh, AM, FM, and shortwave, which when was, has anybody used shortwave? on one of these ghost box devices, very rarely. But you'll have AM, FM, shortwave, real-time recording with adjustable speeds. You also have an EVP recorder with two high-sensitivity microphones, live listening, so you're, you know, real-time EVP coming back at you, and visual waveform monitoring, which, by the way, it's recording these files in the wave format. You have EVP and noise generator, an EVP recorder with white noise frequency or custom audio loop added in real-time. You have an EMF meter, an electromagnetic field measurement with multicolored lights and multicolored LED lights and value on display. So you're not only getting the visual readout of the milligauss for the EMF, but you're also getting the K2 lights at the top. Temperature. The ambient temperature reading at a plus or minus 5 degrees. And you also have hot and cold spot detection with LED indicators. So it has a digital readout of the temperature. But... If that temperature starts to fluctuate one way or another rather quickly, it will signify onto the device an LED light that will give you a warning. So even if you're not paying attention to the temperature and you're like looking at, say, the, the color lights at the top for EMF, but all of a sudden there's a temperature drop, that light is going to light up to let you know. So that's an interesting feature. And, I, and it's, it's something that you know you, you would take for granted if you didn't have it on there. Also, it has night vision, and by night vision, it means that it has uh, kind of like an indiglo light behind it. Okay. So what it'll do is it'll give you the opportunity to see... It's self-luminous. ...all of the buttons in the dark. Yeah. As opposed to some of these other devices where we're just seeing the screen mm-hmm. or... Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm using the Melmeter in the dark, I can't really see all the buttons too well to see which one I'm holding down. So this will be... And all of this has a pretty long-lasting battery. That was going to be my question. How long does the battery last to run all this? Well, we'll have to see about that. But uh, it does have a pretty long-lasting rechargeable battery. It has... uh, um, Doesn't the battery depend on the spirits anyways? Well, sure. But, I mean, just in (laughs) terms of leaving... It doesn't really matter. (laughs) In terms of leaving the device on. Mm -hmm. uh, In in control setting... (laughs) And, it, and everything on it is completely customizable. So you would think you have all these components, all these opportunities to measure different frequencies and different, uh, you know, get different readings all combined. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. It does have onboard storage. So 
it can save these massive wave files, but what it will do is it will kind of uh, it'll start to clip them if it gets to be too much. So you you have the opportunity to just connect it to a PC and kind of dump everything. So if you go and you do an hour's worth of VVP recording while everything else is running and you're filling this up with long wave files, just stop, throw it, hook it up to your computer, dump it. I should have asked if it USB charges. I'm sure that it does. But you can kind of charge it at the same time while you're transferring that stuff over. Anyway, everything all in one, what's your first question? Well, battery life is like what was Okay, well, what's your number two question? Number two question, could it also be expandable? In other words, could I attach other devices to it and have it work in concert with them? Well, that's could a good, I have it remote triggered? That's, I, that's a good question. Those are both good questions. But my first question, and I think you're probably just taking this for granted when somebody's saying they're going to put this all in one, but I would worry about cross-contamination. I would worry about I would have is everything that's already been is everything properly shielded. Yeah. And so the way that they've built this is they built this kind of from the ground up. Instead of taking other devices, uh, the way that other devices work, where we already have digital recorders, we already have you know tri-field EMF meters, we already have all these different things that existed before the paranormal, and we found a way to kind of incorporate them all together with one another. This is different. This has been built from the ground up. So you have the chance to say, okay, we know that this is going to cause contamination with this. So when we build the temperature sensing function, let's make sure we build it in a way that it won't interfere with the electromagnetic field detection. So everything is completely shielded in this except for the EMF. Because if you shielded that, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. So, But everything else is completely shielded. So this thing is supposed to be completely foolproof in terms of getting kind of cross-contamination. That is what impressed me. The second thing that impressed me about it, and again, we haven't actually f- held it in our hands yet, but just by looking at it and in the discussion that I had, the layout of this thing. First of all, it's a really cool-looking piece of equipment. I mean, it's got that Tron uh, glowing look to it, which... You know, if you're a Tron fan like I am, that's just going to be badass to have in your hand. But what I also liked about it is there's dials as opposed to all buttons because mm. you are working in the dark. And it's easier in the dark to grab a dial mm-hmm. and adjust the dial. And you know that there's three dials. So if you're grabbing the middle one, you know, you're grabbing the one that does EVP mode or you know EMF sweep or whatever. I mean, a radio sweep or whatever. So you actually have more of an opportunity to manipulate it on the go with that. So that was part of my questioning with him is, you know, how did you guys decide upon this design? Well, the designer, who is the inventor's son, is a DJ. So he went with what works for him, working in clubs and in the dark and and seeing how, you know, what's best for him. And he prefers Mm -hmm. dials for that reason because, you know, the lights are all going off. And so it it actually makes a lot of sense. And so that's another thing that I uh, enjoyed about it. So, I mean, and just looking at it, I mean, you're going to feel a lot better walking into a haunted place carrying one device as opposed to eight devices. Mm-hmm. Now, what's its size? About the size of, like, say, uh, a Galaxy 5 or something? Or? Um, I'm not sure the exact uh, specifications. It looks like it's, you know, a little, you know, probably about a little bit bigger than a cell phone. But smaller than, say, an iPad. Yes, yeah, smaller than an iPad. The The... It's going to be something probably, I mean, aside from the buttons, but it's probably going to be something you can slide in your pocket. And I'm sure that there'll be, you know, people that 
develop some kind of a clip for it, if, if Ghost Ark themselves don't develop some kind of a clip. But so all of this stuff, all this information that we're providing you, it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we'll talk about with the guys who developed this coming up on February 21st. If you have questions about this, and I know a lot of you out there will, we welcome you to call in that night and ask the questions. And again, remember, there'll be some translation involved, so it's going to be you know, a little bit of a, of a lag time between your question and the answer. You want to avoid that? You want to get your questions in ahead of time? You can email them to us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, or you can actually tweet them using the hashtag AskGhostArk, A-R-K. How much are they getting for this? This is, it's slated right now. It's going to be released this summer. That's when it's starting to come out. The original retail price, $250. But if you sign up now and you get involved, if you leave your email to get notified when it will be available, they'll knock 25% off. You get it for $199. So you're going to have all this equipment that you would go out and spend $100, $200 a piece mm-hmm. on, all of that for $199. Now, I know this sounds like a commercial for this. We're not getting any money off of this. Right. We're not making any money. We don't have any kind of business partnership with them. They actually have the opportunity on their website. If you want to become a distributor and a partner for them, they would do so. I mentioned that to them because, you know, having legend trips and, you know, people Mm. coming to events and looking for devices, and they're going to see this and they're going to want it. I had mentioned that possibility to them. They've already set things up in America to have these distributed. It will be here in the United States within seven days of its initial launch. And any order that you place, they feel that they will be able to, once it's released, they'll be able to fill that within seven days. That's pretty good. So 200 bucks if you sign up now, 250 if you wait. Uh, but Plus shipping and stuff, I assume. Sure, yeah. But it's it, it's going to be worth um, you know at least getting yourself on the email list to follow the updates of what's going on. Mm-hmm. That doesn't cost you anything. Right. Uh, so if you do that now, if you just go to GhostArk, A-R-K, GhostArk.com, you'll be able to sign up for the email there. And again, use the hashtag AskGhostArk if you want to answer some, uh, have some of your questions answered about this device on February 21st. And even you can follow them at GhostArkDevice, and I think it's at GhostArk underscore device. Let me double check that. And uh, and I think that if you tweet that question now, they'll probably answer it for you. Yes, at GhostArk underscore device. They'll probably even answer that now. I don't know right this moment because I don't know what time it is in Italy. <laughs> Somebody's got to be up. I'm pretty sure that they're going to be waking up at like 3 or 4 in the morning to talk to us on February 21st. But, you know, they feel that it's worth it to have the opportunity to come on and speak to the Spooky South Coast audience. So uh, you can absolutely 100% uh, send your questions in. And right, right here we have a question from Robert. Uh, he said that you could download data from it. Does it also download EMF, et cetera, in order to cross-reference with EVP? The understanding that I have from working with them, all it, it compiles everything into a report. And that report is what is downloaded. Now, let me see if I can find the exact language here on the website. You want to cross-check data, it says? Every function is simultaneously activable. I think that's a little English yeah. to Italian yeah. translation. Every function is simultaneously active. For example, you can record EVP while visualizing EMF and temperature levels. GhostArk will record every value in real time and save a report that you can later look at. So you'll be able to get all so of this. So all of this goes into separate uh, files into some I th- sort of I think of it will compile drive. it into one file so that you can say you you were on. Well, wave files are going to be different than uh, your EV, your EMF but files. But if it if it dumps it into the report, if it 
compiles it all together into one file, you might be, and I'm just guessing because we didn't get into the specifics about this yet. We can ask about it on the 21st. But you could open up, say, you know, uh, February 7th, 2015, the investigation that you did, open it up, and it will tell you, you know, at 9 o'clock to 10.30, you had it running. You got this, you know, this, this, this. Yeah. Here are the files, audio files that were captured at this time. Click here to play. You know, that is something that uh, a few people have done before in the past by tying in a bunch of devices yeah. into one centrally located computer and then putting it all together that way and having to do it on the fly. This will actually compile it for you, so... I'm sure there's plenty of people Time out there that are, yeah, that are thinking, it's worth it for me just to do that. <laughs> there's some people that are still in the dark that are like, wait a minute, you mean you can connect this to the computer? <laughs> you mean I can tie my digital recorder into the computer with a USB cable? How does that work? So uh, there you go. That is the Ghost Arc, uh, A-R-K, and uh, we'll definitely get more in-depth with it coming up in just a few weeks when we talk about it here on the program. Until then, though... I think we're, we're taking next week off, right? That was mm-hmm. the plan. The 15th, yeah. Well, the 14th. 14th, yeah. He's a single guy. He doesn't have to remember. So, But we're, <laughs> we're going to take it off of Valentine's Day. However, the discussion was that we would have a pre-recorded program. Right. And we will have it air here on WBSM and we'll release it to podcast. We have to figure out how we're going to actually get together and do that, but we will. And that will give us the opportunity to still speak with you, but still also some of us not end up in the doghouse for mm-hmm. having to come in here. I'm mean, not that I wouldn't want all you guys to be my Valentine, but yeah. you know we're not we're not that progressive here at Spooky South Coast to <laughs> do things that way. But we still want to make sure that we put on a program for you. Then we'll be here for a live show on the 21st. Then on the 28th we have a Legend Trips event, so we will not be here again. Pre-recorded show. Now we've been talking about breaking up the month into weeks and have it be Stephanie week one week, which mm-hmm. was going to be this week. It was. You know, Tim week, Moniz week. We were going to do Matt week, but. I'm going to take that for you, Matt, because you've got enough to worry about without having to run interviews and stuff, too, which is too bad because you know, we found the perfect guest for you to interview today. Right. <laughs> when the announcement came down that uh, the South Coast Torian Comic Show, which is happening on April 11th, they announced their first guest, who will be their first guest, and it's going to be Bruce Leroy. Ah, you know our friend Lucky? Yes. He's actually very good friends with him. So, see, it could have been Lucky's week. We could have had him interview him. But, uh, so that, you know, at some point we'll get him on the show, Matt, before the uh, event, and you'll get a chance to interview Bruce Leroy. Will you come in dressed up as Shonoff? Do <laughs> 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 you have no idea what we're talking about, Stephanie? Uh, I don't know if you want, because this is like one of Matt's favorite movies, Moniz. You might want to just hand him the microphone and let him explain the awesomeness. Sure. I don't know. You just kind of have to watch. I'll send you the link okay. later. All right. It's like, well, the name of the movie is right. The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon, of course, okay. of course. And it's just an awesome kung fu movie. That's it's very. It's like um, Electric Boogaloo slash, <laughs> like the Wiz. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's or big big boss. Like. Yeah. It's like somebody was like, you know what's really missing from and the... And a little splash of the golden child. <laughs> you know what's really missing from those chop sake films? Black exploitation. We need to kind of combine those two genres. And they did that. Because I remember you telling me about the movie, Matt, years ago. Yeah. And I was like, what? 
Like this. I, I was on a search for the longest time. You for were. It. I remember this that. This is before the interwebs, before Amazon. <laughs> before the interwebs. And I had to. I found a Newbury Comics in the Providence Place Mall, which was 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I went there and bought it. And and I remember. And then like uh, maybe less than like a year later, maybe it was like in every Walmart ever. I remember you talking about it. But it was worth it. And I remember you telling me, and I'm like, this sounds like it's going to be the worst thing ever. And then one day it was on HBO. And I started watching it. And I remember, like, I think I called you and was like, all right, I was wrong. This is awesome. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those cultural reference points for people uh, within our age group. We, get, we give Stephanie a little bit of a break because she's younger than us. Uh, you might not have had the pleasure that is The Last Dragon. But uh, looking... I'm looking here. So the event, uh, again, the South Coast Touring Comic Show is coming up in April. It is the same weekend as Salem Con, so I will not be able to make it to the South Coast Touring Comic Show this year. Uh, but you can get your chance. At, I don't know how to say Zan correctly. Is it Ty Mac? He was supposed to be like the next great. I think it is Ty Mac. I think it is Ty Mac, but I'm not sure. He was supposed to be like the next great action star, the next great um, – you know, martial arts movie star. Right, but he just wasn't a very good actor. Yeah, that was part of the problem, and part of the and the other part of the problem I is mean, if he's listening, he's an excellent <laughs> actor. I'm sure he would agree with right. you, uh, based on where his career went. But part of the problem is that genre of movie just didn't stick around in the early '80s. You know, it wasn't until like the late '80s when martial arts movies really hit, and uh, again, and by that point, we're dealing with the Van Damme movies the up on YouTube. The entire you can watch the entire movie. Yep. This and I spent thirty dollars on it like ten years ago. <laughs> I I would actually I would actually almost oh, consider it's two, this two ninety nine. I'm sorry. This is this is the and I'm, I don't mean this in any kind of a, a racist way against either you know black folks or Asian American folks, African Americans, Asian Americans. I don't mean any disrespect. This movie is like the black version of Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a fair assessment, Matt. Would you say? He's, he's like, oh, screw this show. I'm watching The Last Dragon on my phone. Yep. He ditched us. <laughs> I a, would agree. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 definitely a, it's definitely a classic. And you'll have a chance to meet uh, Tamak, the actual real Bruce, Bruce Leroy. He'll share with you some of the glow uh, coming up at the South Coast Touring Comic Show. I'm afraid to even click on this YouTube link. It's just a trailer. I don't care. I'm still afraid. <laughs> I've, I've learned my lesson with YouTube links with you two. Brad, Brad, I only send you interesting yeah. documentaries that uh, people have made. The Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> oh, no, the Trailer Park Boys are awesome. I don't know if I'd go that far. Was it, uh, I, I think it was Kira who actually was uh, entering her cat in the yes. the Bubbles contest. I hope she wins. I hope she wins and I hope she gets to actually meet Bubbles as part of that. Oh, my God. Then she'll be my hero. People are like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't watch Canadian TV on my Netflix. Uh, See, had you only gotten a cat, you could have entered your cat into Bubbles Contest. Yeah, I know. Had you just listened to my advice this whole entire year. I know. It's, I'm, I'm slacking. I should get multiple cats, you just should. in case. You never know when it's going to happen again. never know. Nope. Well, I think that uh, oh, we're getting some complaints, too, by the way, on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, using the hashtag SpookyLive on Twitter about some of the... Commercials on the streaming service. Mm. Little hint out there for the people that are listening. Download an ad blocker for your web browser. 
from your web browser store, whether you use Chrome or Firefox or what have you. Download that. Turn it on. No more Ustream commercials. Ustream right now is like, we are dropping your feed. But that's that's the way to do it. And that's little trick that we've had to learn over the years, too, because we remember when we used to sit here and it was running and we'd be, like, monitoring it and be like, oh, another commercial. Yeah, right. I don't know what's going on. But now uh, now we have the opportunity to block those here in the studio. Well, that's pretty fancy. I didn't know that existed. You didn't know either? No. So you've been watching commercials over there, too? I'm sorry. Well, no, I haven't because I'm not watching us live. But in my many years of being a listener... Yeah, it used to annoy the heck out of me. Being a listener when you're like, oh, this show is so great. And then you go out here and you're like, oh. Oh, this oh, is what this happened. Is what happened? Yeah, oh. yeah. oh, they really do a good job editing the podcast, <laughs> cutting out all the garbage. But uh, no, I mean, tonight we do want to kick around a bunch of different topics, and there's a lot that we can talk about. Uh, we also want to take your calls as well, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And you can call in and share with us some of your paranormal experiences, some of your stories. Uh, if you've been looking for the chance to get them out and have somebody uh, you know, just listen and, and absorb and, and give you some kind of a reaction to it, some information about it, maybe you have a question that's been bothering you, We'll try and do that as best we can. But there's there's a lot of topics we can kick around as well. One of the things that's been announced in the last couple of weeks, as much as I was hoping and praying that it wasn't true, they are going to be making the reboot of Ghostbusters. It has been formally announced. Paul Fagg is going to direct it. He directed Bridesmaids and uh, a couple other movies. And the the cast announcement was made. And as far as I'm concerned... It is the worst case scenario for casting. I'm not opposed to the idea of having female Ghostbusters. And I, when I originally was posting about this on social media, a lot of people attacked me for it. Like, why are you sexist? I'm not sexist at all. The only people that attacked you were the people that were wishing that they got the role. Well, that's, that's probably true, Let's too. just be honest. Listen, I don't know about you guys. If I go to a Halloween costume party, I'm all about the sexy Ghostbuster chick. You know, when we go yep. to these Comic Cons and we see like the female Ghostbusters walking around, that's fine by me. You're here. That charges up my proton pack. <laughs> but <laughs> what, that was awesome. But and then that I'm, just happened. I'm not against having a female team of Ghostbusters in, in the new Ghostbusters movie. I think it's a great idea. I actually think it would be a lot better if it was a continuation of the original story as opposed to a reboot. But whatever, you know. We don't actually know anything about the script yet. Everybody just throws around the term reboot all the time for everything. Mm-hmm. They're, they they called the Star Trek movies a reboot, and in actuality, there's direct connections to the original Star Trek. And so anyway, but then I don't want to go off on a pop culture rant here. But I'm not opposed to the idea of having a female Ghostbuster team. I'm just opposed to who they picked to be that team. You've got mm. Kristen Wiig, who I think is horrible, my opinion, but still. You've got Melissa McCarthy, who I think is way more talented than they allow her to be in some of these movies. She always plays some idiot. Mm-hmm. She's she's basically the female Zach Galifianakis. Okay. And that's the role that they always seem to want to put her in. She is hysterical. But not as the female Zach Galifianakis in every movie. Right. You know, you need to give her some some range. Or maybe they will with this. Uh, and then the other cast members were Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live. I don't mm-hmm. know if you watch. Do you watch Saturday Night Live? I don't think I've ever asked you. I used to. Not like the new Saturday Night Live. It's actually pretty funny. Is it? Yeah, I I, I enjoy it now. I, like I think the classic it's one. I think it's hilarious now, especially Weekend Update. It just 
they've they've hit their stride there. But anyway, she is like the new Kristen Wiig. She's in like every sketch, okay. except she's better. And I think that that's not a bad casting. But again, she's not a movie star. She's right. not somebody who has uh, we don't know. She's an unknown commodity on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And then Leslie Jones, mm. who people hear that name and like, Whoa, who are you talking about? She's been on Saturday Night Live now for like three months. Mm-hmm. She's a writer. She's been a, a very successful comedy writer for a long time and a stand-up, but she hasn't done a lot on screen. And a couple of weeks of her playing the same characters on Saturday Night Live has apparently convinced the world that she should be a Ghostbuster. Do you think it's they pulled from Saturday Night Live because of improv skills? I think that looking at the fact that there was that connection and that pedigree with the original Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. they're feeling that that will kind of instill some of the same spirit, maybe. Right, but... Um like the original Ghostbusters, they already had like a few films before that, right? Like Caddyshack and mm-hmm. like Animal House and like all those. Blues Brothers, right? So they had all those to stand on before they did, and like they had a working relationship, uh, like uh, kind of a chemistry, right? They already had a friendship, and, and I'm looking back at, at you know in my mind, I'm looking back and thinking to myself, you know, what were people's perceptions of that cast at that time? Bill Murray probably was accused of playing a lot of the same type of characters in his movies. Right. You know, and uh, and nobody knew who Ernie Hudson was. Harold Ramis had only been in a few things. He was known even then more as a director, more as a behind-the-scenes guy, a writer and a director. You know, Aykroyd was probably the most versatile in terms of the, the roles that he had played. But also there was another thing about that movie that made it stand out to me and why it's become such a favorite over the years. There is a love for the subject matter in that script. There is a respect for the subject matter in that script. Dan Aykroyd and his father and his brother have all been paranormal investigators for as long as, you know, they've been alive. The, his father wrote a book. His father is uh, a very noted researcher in Canada of the paranormal. That kept an interest going with Dan and Peter when they were younger and that they carried that through in their adult life. They put all of that paranormal theory into the script. Now, is it 100%? No, it has to be tweaked, of course, to fit the story. But we kind of all go running into haunted houses now carrying PKE meters, don't we? Mm. You know, it doesn't measure the exact same thing, but at least we're getting quantifiable data the same way that the Ghostbusters were getting quantifiable data as well. Now, the nature of what they were hunting and the nature of what we're investigating obviously is not the same. Mm -hmm. But there was still that connection. You can watch that movie and feel like... This makes sense. I don't know what's going to happen with this movie. I have the feeling that the subject matter won't be treated with the same reverence that it was in the first movie. That it doesn't show, it won't show parapsychology as a field. I don't want to say a legitimate field because obviously they, they didn't show it that way in the film. But I just, I don't know. I think that as much as people are getting excited about this film, a lot of female paranormal investigators especially... Mm-hmm. You're probably going to end up being sorry on the back end because it's going to make us all look stupid if it goes the way that I'm afraid it's going to go. People are going to be like, oh, that's what you do? You just run you just run into a haunted place and yell like Melissa McCarthy? I think they're capitalizing on the fact that every movie that comes out now has some taste of the paranormal. And that leads me to another topic that I'd like it? to discuss. The I don't know. I know, Matt, you just watched it. I've watched it a couple of times already. Has everybody else, have you seen the trailer for the new Poltergeist film? No. Yes. I don't watch horror movies. Okay. 
Hold that thought, because we do have a call that's on the line that we've been making wait. So, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hello, everyone. Um, I just wanted to my experience. I had we had a spirit in our home. Oh, sure. Uh, we rented a house in uh, Mattapoise. It was on the corner of Main Street and Route Six. It was a old captain's house, and my husband lived uh, worked in Mattapoise and across the street. He knew the people that uh, owned it, and it was empty. And uh, I went over, we rented it, and I went over before we moved in, and I was doing cleaning, and I was painting the kitchen, and I was painting with yellow paint, and all of a sudden, a splash of paint went to the, it was um, panel wood, I was painting it yellow. A piece of paint went and splashed and made a perfect hat. I said, oh, well, okay. I kept painting it, and after it was dry, the next day, I had an electric fireplace, place, and I, we hung it on the wall, and we plugged it in. And the, I was in the living room just washing the walls and the paints and all that, and I heard something humming. And it was my electric um, fireplace on the wall. It was going, but it was turned off. So I unplugged it. And then I went back, and I was doing the rest of the clean. I heard it again humming, and it was unplugged. So I didn't say anything, and I told my husband, ah, don't worry about it. So we moved in the following uh, week. And we had uh, three three bedrooms upstairs and one single bed down, downstairs. And my younger daughter, she was eight years old, she took the bottom bedroom downstairs. It was off to the kitchen. So I came down the next morning. She came out screaming, Mom, Mom. I said, what's the matter? She says, something was in my room. I was laying on my side, and I felt like something bent over, and I could feel like somebody breathing in me. And she's on the cat in the bed, and she jumped up, and she was hissing and hissing. And then she jumped off the bed and ran. And then I could hear, like, silverware in our kitchen, like, rattling. So we were concerned and all that, and uh, we didn't say nothing much. We went to the society, uh, the historical society, that, that used to be an old captain's house. And they did have a daughter around seven, eight years old. I think she had Down syndrome. And I guess they would, you know, nobody would see it. They would put her, I guess, in a room if people came to visit and all that. And then uh, my husband was talking to this woman before we moved in. It was... Uh, a drape, uh, drape place. She made uh, these special drapes, and she closed early that day. But this man came, and he came about ten or six to pick up drapes. So he saw her the next day. He says, "Gee, thanks a lot." He says, "I've been banging on the door, and I saw somebody go by, like a, a long white dress." He says, "And you didn't even come and open the door." She says, "I'm sorry, but I closed early that day. There was nobody at all in this business." So we started to put two things together. So, but. The house was always, it wasn't a bad spirit, but you could always feel something around. Like, if I went upstairs, I was fine. If I came down this, I felt like somebody was going to push me down the stairs. So and one day, my husband and I went out, and the kids were home watching TV. And they said, in, in my dining room, I had a big dining room, I had an electric organ. They said the organ started to play just like crazy notes here and there. And they all looked at each other, didn't even want to move until we got home. So it's, you know, one of those things, but... My my kids were very disturbed, so we end up we end up finally moving out of that house. But there was something there because, like that man came to uh, pick up his custom drapes, and he saw something go by, but she wasn't there. No one was in the house, you know. But it wasn't evil or anything. It's just that it was. I guess she was she was like a little girl. She was always going after my daughter, you know. Well, so you you said that you moved out of the house because of this activity, or just you moved otherwise? You moved for another reason? No, we moved out because my kids were very uncomfortable in the house. Really? Yeah. Uh, at the time, uh, that daughter was eight years old. I had a sixteen-year-old, a fifteen-year-old, a thirteen-year-old, 
and they just it was very uncomfortable. So we end up we end up moving down the street to Reservation Road where the golf course is. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, we moved out. But you know, it's you always had that feeling at night. When we were in bed over my over my bed, I could hear like rocking in the air, like something like squeaking, rocking, and we could hear like little whispering, very little whispering. I even got up there to make sure my kids weren't talking to each other, you know, and they're all sound asleep. So I just want to let you know. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's it's a business now. Nobody's living in there since we moved out. And and then after you moved out, no more problems at all. I don't think so because a business moved in. It was auntie and no, I mean, auntie. I mean with yourselves. Where oh you no, moved to. no, the other house was fine. Yeah, hmm. it was just that one house. And 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 I guess you almost said it there. What 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 business is it now? Yeah, well, I I think it's an insurance business now. It's right across from the Grange Hall, the old Grange House on uh, the old Grange Hall on Route Six. It's right in the corner, Route Six, and uh, Main Street. And it's only it's only the house on that corner. All right. Well, nobody, nobody go around there and look in the windows or anything. That's inappropriate. No. <laughs> but, you know, just uh, we do, yeah. we do not condone this such my behavior. Daughter says, I could, I didn't move all night. I was on my side. I could feel something near my face, like being right almost near my cheek, and they were like breathing. And then the cat jumped up and started hissing and took off. Then she's my. I heard like in the uh, kitchen, like somebody was like touching our silverware. It was like tinkling, you know. And then she's like a white light like went by. Because she opened her eyes and it was like just like a white by just a light went by and that was it. Hmm. So I just want to let you know that well, was our experience. Thank you very much there for sharing. There is a business that someday you want to go in and speak to them, you know. But um, there was a couple before us with children. They moved out. We didn't know anything about that because it was the it was a curtain place and it was this young family. And when they moved out, it was empty. And my my husband knew the people that owned it. They've they've all passed away already. But that's when we rented it. And so, see, it's right now. You can go walk across the street any kind of weather and be at work. It used to be a barber. Hmm. You know? So. Yeah, that was, that's convenient anyway. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing Alrighty. with us. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. And, uh, yeah, and if anybody else would like to share some of their own experiences, you can do so by giving us a call in the next hour, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And we'll start off the next hour talking about the new the reboot again. I have to use that word. Uh, the reboot of the Poltergeist uh, film that'll be happening coming out this summer. But they finally showed the first. First, they showed a little bit of a teaser, and then the actual trailer was re- uh, released earlier this week. We'll actually tweet it out as well during the break. So people, it's already on our Twitter timeline. So if you're following us at SpookySC, you'll be able to see it. But we'll tweet it out again as well, so that you'll have the chance to check it out during the news if you want to see what it's all about, and and maybe we'll make Stephanie watch it. Maybe not. <laughs> she's, Stephanie are, wants to sleep tonight. She's already getting ready to walk out of the room because she knows that we're going to watch it anyway. Maybe. But uh, and, and certainly, if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Let us know what you think. We want to know if you're excited about it. If you think that it looks weak. Uh, if it upsets you that they're messing with it, and I. I I feel that way about a lot of things. You know, why do you have to mess with something that's a classic? That is my favorite movie of all time, the original Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And I've, I just find it mostly perfect. And so looking at the remake, I was, you know, really concerned that they were going to mess too much with the memories of the original. But it looks like they're taking it kind of in its own direction. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up. And we'll also take your calls as well in the next hour. And again, the numbers are 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. You can tweet us at SpookySC, 
And you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, if you would like to reach us that way as well. Uh, the network news will be coming up, and we'll be back right after that. If you want to check out some of our online activity during the news, you can go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. You can go to our YouTube page. You can get all of our podcasts, every episode that we've ever done, all available free of charge via iTunes, uh, via uh, what's some of the other ones? Stitcher, the Stitcher app. So every, every way that you can get podcasts, any way you can get a podcast delivered to your phone, your mobile device, what have you, then you can get Spooky South Coast that way as well. So download every episode. If you have missed them all, that's okay. We'll let you catch up. Is that yeah? Great? Yeah. So that would be. That's the first night. Yeah. Of and uh, he's nailed every uh, national presidential election, like, told me a week out. Number two of Spooky South Coast. Sorry for the screw up there. I was uh, trying to check the Powerball number. Bought a ticket earlier. I don't usually play the lottery, uh, but I had to break a 20 earlier. And so I went into the convenience store and I was like, yeah, just give me one of those dollar Powerball tickets. So I don't know. Can you win the grand prize just playing on a dollar or do you have to do like all that special yes. stuff? Okay, good. So uh, while we're sitting here waiting for this web page to load up, I could be sitting here $383 million richer. Yep, you could. And saying goodbye to you guys pretty fast. That would be sad. Well, see, I'm already in Fairhaven. The lottery office is right down the street, so I would just Good save. I'd just go hang out there. You guys can handle things without me. Good save. I would buy you all kinds of tacos, Stephanie. Good. I would buy you gourmet tacos. I'm good with just Taco Bell. Maybe okay. Frontera across the street. They have pretty good tacos. There you go. Actually, while we're giving out plugs, <laughs> if I win if I win Powerball mm-hmm. next week, I'm treating you all to D&B burgers. Okay. I still haven't been. Did you, double, double burgers? Or? Uh, did you see what they put up on their Facebook page? No, week? I did not. No. The first ever D&B triple stack. Oh, really? Yes. Ew. Ew. They're not. They're not huge burgers. No, they're, but they're delicious. Yes, yeah, so they're like they're, so they're, they're gourmet burgers. That's they're they're handcrafted burgers. Yeah, it's probably it's probably like what like a triple sex probably like what like a half pound, three quarters of a pound uh, maybe. Probably a quarter. Yeah, it's probably like three quarters of. Can a pound. I soak it in ranch sauce? You right. could, but I don't know that Blasphemy. you would need to because there's so many different options they have and flavors. Ketchup that you okay. can put on it. They had. We might have to go on a field trip. The other day they were running a special. Mm-hmm. They had. Um, I feel stupid here because I was a, a food critic. What's that stuff with duck? Duck porridge? No, no. The other thing with duck. I don't mm. eat duck. What? Porridge? Nope, nope. Hold on. That's you think that you think that I would know this because, but I, I you know, I don't usually eat a lot of duck. Pressed duck? Yeah. No, no. It was uh, duck poutine. That's it. Duck poutine. They had. Um, they actually had fries. 
with duck confit, cheese curds, duck skin cracklings, duck gravy. Ew. Duck is delicious. Ew. It is. There it is. DNB's first triple stack. So good. Nicknamed the Heart Stopper. With bacon and everything. Oh, that looks badass. DNB Burgers, (laughs) if you are listening, you know where we are. They brought burgers here last week or the week before when we weren't here, you know, during the week. DNB, we're hungry. Come and feed us. All right, anyway, seriously, getting back. It would prevent me from buying Taco Bell. I know it still wouldn't stop you. And it wouldn't stop Moni's either. It it would prevent me from buying Taco Bell. Oh, okay. There is a lot of product placement today. It is. (laughs) Right right down to the Subway Cup. Because what people don't realize is this is the way that we talk when we're not on the air. Right. Yeah, well, that's all we talk about is food. We really do. And like a little bit about the paranormal. Like I, like that's <laughs> depends on mostly the food. I'll just be like looking down at my phone and I'll be like, oh, I have a message and I'll check in. It's Stephanie and she's like, I'm hungry. Yep. That, that'll be like all that it says. Like I'm hungry right now. And she she doesn't even need to send me a message if she's hungry because Taco Bell now has an app that you can order on your app oh, from really? your house and when you go to pick it up, it's already ready to go. Why didn't I know about this? I just found out about it today. Okay, good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Ask Greg. Ask Greg about how long he waited for his uh, Taco Bell breakfast this morning. <laughs> By the time he got it, it was Taco Bell lunchtime. But anyway, uh, we do have a call on the line here. We do talk about the paranormal. That's what we're here for, and we will be jumping back into the conversation here. But we're, just, we're having kind of a relaxed night tonight. And uh, so we will take your calls. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. If you want to share some of your own paranormal stories, your own paranormal experiences, in just a moment, I want to talk about this new reboot of the Poltergeist movie that will be coming out this summer. Uh, also, Moniz is going to update us on a story that he's been following about some local UFO sightings that have been happening with uh, an, ama- an amazing amount of frequency, maybe even an alarming amount of frequency over the last few weeks. Uh, but right now we do have a call on the line, so let's take that. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Well, I hear two stories. I, I had an experience with UFOs, and I had an experience with the ghosts. Well, we'd I'll love you, to hear let them. Let me tell you a story about the ghosts. Sure. Uh, this was like 30 years ago. I was living in Norton at the time, and uh, I, I was coming home, and uh, I was living with three other people in the building. There was nobody in there. I, I seen the silhouette of a woman go by the, 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 the three windows out in front, and uh, she was re- she was wearing a big uh, gown, a uh, long gown. I went in, I was a little, I was a little hilarious. Like, there's no someone supposed to be in there. In there. Right, so uh, that wasn't that wasn't scary enough. So I went there. I was like, hello, hello, hello. There was no one there. So the next day, I, I asked. Uh, there was a business next door. I said, do you know anything about this this house out there? He says, why? And I, and I told him, just what I told you, I said, I've seen someone, I've seen the silhouette of a, a woman uh, go by. She, she looked like she was like in the 1800s or something like that, wearing a long dress. The little story goes that uh, her husband had died, and uh, she was uh, so lonely that she ended up hanging herself. And uh, and I seen a Ouija board, and I don't know what they do with the Ouija board, but I got it out of there. The pants out of me. Yeah, that, I mean... Some people are like that with Ouija board. Me, I'm not like that at all. No, I, I tell you, it, 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 it was skid pants up. You know how your hair stands up in the back of your head? There was definitely something going on in that hospital. Well, I mean, some people will say that uh, when you are in that state, you know, where you're already kind of feeling that, it makes you kind of hyper-aware to things, too. I mean, I, I find that usually when I'm around stuff like that, it 
you know, I, I get a physical sensation to it. You, you know, well, what you're saying is like the... Let me finish the story about the airplane. You're talking about yellow balls. You're like, you're taking sure. yellow balls. 1967. I know 1967 because I was, uh, I was uh, like 11, 12 years old at the time. We were hanging out in uh, City Hall in Brookline. Nine UFOs showed up, and they didn't just show up and disappear. They were up there for for like at least good twenty minutes. I went across the street to the police station and said, "You know all about it." The phone won't stop ringing, and they weren't just up there for a minute. They were up there for a good forty minutes. It, it, I never seen nothing like it. I, I can't imagine this stuff. This is for real. That's all I have to say. Have a good night. Bye bye. I love you, Joe. Thank you. Take care. Nine UFOs. That's. Actually, I think I recall reading something about that. Brookline, 1967, uh, I want to say uh, towards uh, April, March, somewhere around that time frame. It, it was in the, well, that whole year all yeah. throughout New England was uh, uh, going on like what we have now. I've been getting almost daily reports from Wareham all the way out to the Connecticut border of various things going on. Some things are just colored lights. Other people are seeing very definite structured triangular-shaped craft, uh, you know, your traditional saucer, and even a few cigar shapes floating around here. Well, that 1967-68 flap that happened around here, a lot of those were sighted at Round Hill yes. uh, in Dartmouth because... And Woodsocket, Rhode Island. At, at the time, they were still running the, the Van de Graaff generator down there, and they were still conducting all the MIT experiments down there. And they feel like maybe that was drawing people, uh, drawing people, drawing ships to it. That was drawing these, uh, whatever it may be, these craft. Is there anything that's going on around here that you know of right now that would be kind of drawing the attention of, of these of these craft? Well, I've got friends that are working on Otis Air Force Base that are laying infrastructure in, let's let's put it that way. And uh, so they said that there's a lot of base activity that's going on with uh, drones being flown out of there and this and that. So the base is not completely defunct, as most people would think. And I have a feeling that that, in combination with probably things going on with PayPal's and... Uh, there's also supposedly been some nuclear work that's been going on uh, up in Pilgrim. They've been doing stuff with the reactor. Even well, they did. They had that incident last yeah. week, so they're just kind of reinforcing things. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the drones that you're talking about could that be what people are seeing? Could that be what uh, they're mistaken? No, these are UFOs? very specific type of drones. You would. Uh, it, these are for surveillance. These aren't like the attack drones. These are something that are more. Um, for observation, and they would look like a plane more than anything else. You know we're going to be screwed, by the way, when the uh, when Amazon starts delivering via drone. You know when that happens, we're going to be screwed. We're going to be getting calls all the time. I saw this weird little ship flying around my yard. Yeah, that was delivering your your you know your huggies that you ordered from Amazon. I call it skeet shooting with prizes. Yeah, well that might work too. The uh, if they work half as good as Jeff's drone, I'll be pretty impressed. That's a cool little drone. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a pretty awesome uh, piece of equipment, and you know, I I look forward to uh, maybe someday getting one. If people want to donate, GoFundMe.com slash Spooky South Coast. What would you do one. with one? We would fly it over the show while we're doing it. Aerial shots. Now this flap, for lack of a better term, has actually been going on since uh, just before Christmas, and it's become, you know, pretty hot and heavy. 
And I've I'd recently just got uh, offered help from a friend that's former Air Force that, as well as uh, an old air traffic controller. So if I can get dates, times, and places, I can get things cross-correlated. Well, if anybody wants to share any uh, sightings that they've had, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. If you're not comfortable sharing it publicly but you still want to get the information to Moniz, you can email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, eventually, you'll be able to tweet it to him. <laughs> That's at Matt Moniz, like SSC. Well, it's, we'll get it going. We'll get it going for you. So the uh, if you want to share it, if you want to let us know, if you just want to report it and, and not really get into detail, not share it publicly, options to do so. And, and, of course, that goes with any kind of experience that you have at any given time. You don't have to wait for us to be on the airwaves. You can email it to us. Again, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Find us on Twitter at SpookySC. Find us individually on Twitter. Uh, find us on Facebook, whatever it needs to be to share your story because, you know, we're always here to listen. And sometimes people don't want anybody to, to give them any kind of analysis. They don't want anybody to explain it away. They don't want anybody to verify that it was a paranormal occurrence. Mm-hmm. They just want to share it and they want to get it off their chest with people that aren't going to judge them. And that's not us. If we judge you, we will do so silently. You will never know. <laughs> also, we've got uh, a couple of the. Bigfoot reports coming up out of Maine. I don't know if you've been following that. No, I haven't been. the The last Bigfoot story that I saw was the the one that Matt had up on the uh, the Week and Weird with the uh, story out in what was it California where it had that video? The one that was like the aerial shot. Yeah, I think it was uh, out in California, Northern California. I wasn't convinced. Generally, if Lauren Coleman isn't convinced, neither am I, and he's usually not convinced by any of this stuff. So. Uh, but again, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in and share anything that you would t- like to talk about, your own paranormal experiences, your own uh, stories that you want to share with us and share with the audience, you can do so. And uh, I mentioned that we'll talk about that Poltergeist remake. If you haven't seen the trailer, I tweeted it out. You can just follow us at SpookySC. Follow me at Tim Weisberg. I posted it up there. Uh, Matt, did you tweet it as well on yours? Yep. So at Smoking Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z. Stephanie will not tweet it out at Sberk910 nope. because she has no desire to see any second of it. Not at all. I played it during the news just to kind of refresh myself with it, and she put on headphones and turned away. So. Yes, I did. <laughs> Is, so, so you've never seen the original one at all? I have. Okay. So that's it, why I don't want to see the remake. Is this development of not watching horror movies? Is this something that's been a recent development? Was there a time in your life when you would watch them and, and not have a problem with it? No. Okay. No. So sometimes you just kind of suffered through it. Um, I think it was probably more along the lines of like my dad was watching the the latest horror movie or just watching one of the classic horror movies, and I would just be sitting there watching and horrified because. A lot of the things in old horror movies were ghosts, and um, that was a reality for me, was ghosts walking around. But your ghosts that you see and Mm -hmm. you experience aren't the same as what we see in movies, though. Are you seeing people walking around that, you know, uh, look like some of the creatures that we see in these films? Uh, No, but there are movies that it would be something depicting exactly what I did see. Um, But as like a four, five, whatever year old child or older, even up to age 10, what you see every day, you don't realize that, you know, what 
would be normal for me to see couldn't turn into what you would see right. in something like Poltergeist. Yeah, you're not so. you're not old enough to realize that that's not how it's going to work. Right. Um, but I mean, now being older and realizing that, you know, it's not going to be like I'll give you a, I'll give you a little bit more of a of a funny frame. It's not going to be like large Marge's face popping out of her skull. Right. You know, it, it's, I've tried to tried to go with a comedy instead of a horror movie to to well, give you. a... Um, no, it's just more of a, I can't sleep at night as it is, so why am I going to make it worse for myself? All right. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in horror movies I like to get your opinion on, but that's all right. I respect your I'm desire sure not to watch I, them. I, um, I'll make Brennan watch. <laughs> You're talking to the guy who, the minute he picks up a copy of Communion to put on his bookshelf, rips the front cover off and throws it away. <laughs> so, preaching to the choir in that regard. But I know that you guys have seen uh, this trailer, and having seen the original movie probably about 10,000 times, because you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it, I think that they've put enough into this that it's going to be, it's almost like an homage to the original. And there's a lot of tropes that they've put into this that seem to be consistent with other horror movies, too. But it seems like they've been able to keep some nods to the original while still taking the story in a more... Modern. Original direction, and and Matt, you had mentioned that what impressed you about this is that Sam Raimi's involved, and that you know that he's not really going to turn in a, a pile of crap. Yeah, right. I'm I'm, I'm a big uh, Sam Raimi fan, and I think he um, stays true to what like horror was, and uh, like adds kind of like a thriller factor to it. And he's usually pretty good at keeping right. some- even like the. Some people say like his special effects are kind of cheesy and stuff, but that's like what I don't know what I see a good horror movie is. But doesn't he do that on purpose because he doesn't want to use like CGI effects? Yeah, yeah. So he, it's all stuff that's kind of like handmade. Yeah, and that's what's great about it. Yeah, and and it's what's kind of true to the original. Uh, a lot of people's complaints when they watch the original is that the ghosts don't hold up. You know, that's the only complaint they have. In terms of the dramatic tension of the movie and the performances, everything's great. But when you look at some of these special effects, you're kind of like, oh, you know, that looks really rubber. Or that looks really, you know, and yeah, yeah, when the guy's... R- r- Stephanie's like, please don't talk about that part. But, <laughs> you know, in that regard, that that part of it doesn't hold up. I recently watched Poltergeist 2 and the scene with the braces in the bathroom. Oh. That That does not hold up at all. It wasn't really all that good in 1986 either, but... Uh, it didn't hold up. The, the the problem with it is is that uh, people they they blur the lines in their mind about when wh- where it is you know when the special effects stop. And somebody actually said to me one time that they thought the worst part about Poltergeist was at the very end when uh, Joe Beth Williams falls into the pool with all the corpses and how terrible the corpses looked and how fake they all looked. They weren't. <laughs> they were real bodies. They couldn't get. The dummies in time to to film the scene, so they ended up getting cadavers from from the medical school. What, was that true, or did did they no, that's do true. it to get real reaction? No, well, that they couldn't get them in time. Yeah. Oh, well, right. to get like um, I don't know. I heard both like that they were real, and then they just told the actors that they were real afterwards. Oh, really? Or, I don't know. I don't know. Most sure. most of what I've learned about the movie came from the uh, what's it called on. Is it Smithsonian Channel or one of them? Like the real story behind something? Uh, and you wonder why I didn't want to watch it? I remember years ago when they were talking about the movie when it became a hit. They got, uh, what was it, a dozen bodies and it came from India. 
I'm not mistaken, they were cadavers from India that they were able to order. <laughs> Back then, they didn't have the internet. You just called one eight hundred, you know, dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> and then you. No, they did get them through a medical school. No, no, they they just called and they ordered out. They got Indian delivered. So the. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, but so they, you know, I, I was excited when I found out that they were making the movie originally because I thought that our friends of the program, Styles White and Juliet Snowden, I thought they were the ones that were behind it because it, they were originally listed as having written the script, and I know that they have the same affection for the original film that I have, and uh, they're not going to screw it up. So I was excited about that. Then I found out that they weren't involved in this one; that they went with a different script for this film. And I started to get a little worried. But then I saw Sam Raimi's name attached, and like Matt, I was like, okay. Now, he was able, Matt, I know that you've seen the remake of Evil Dead, which is actually not really a remake. It's a yeah, continuation of the story. I guess so. Uh, you know, I guess that's probably a reboot, you could call it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, all the Evil, Evil Dead movies are kind of, they just throw caution to the wind. and <laughs> like there's, there's not a lot of con- continuity. But. but one of the best criticisms I saw about it is, why do they have to have a reboot of Evil Dead? Wasn't Evil Dead 2 already a reboot of Evil Dead 1? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> That's what makes it. And the fact that Army of Darkness has, is, is not like any of them yep. is what makes it even right. more awesome. But uh, anyway, you know, you know that when you see his name attached to something, there's a chance that unless it's Spider-Man 3, it's going to be awesome. So... <laughs> And the uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting about it too is the casting of Sam Rockwell as the dad. I don't think I can ever watch a movie with Sam Rockwell now in it and not think of Gentleman Broncos. But and everybody out there is like, "What are you talking about?" But if you haven't seen Gentleman Broncos, you have to. It's I can't even I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, there's there's no way to really like give you a plot synopsis of it, but. Uh, basically, a kid writes a sci-fi book, uh, a fantasy book, and a successful fantasy officer, uh, author steals it from him. But they also weave like the actual story from the book into the movie. That movie, I was the first time that I saw a snake poop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where is this going? Uh, that was the. I've never, I never saw that before, and I'm not sure if it's that wet. <laughs> it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Uh, so, but it's an excellent piece of cinema. It is. I don't know why I didn't win the Oscar. Right. Have uh, I'm, I know that I'm, I know that I'm going to ask this question, and I know the answer I'm going to get already. But have either of you seen Gentlemen Broncos? No. Okay, you have to. It's not a horror movie. There's I already talked to you of. about your recommendations. No, this is hilarious. This, this movie That's is hilarious. You're going to watch it. You're going to watch this and be like, what is this? Anyway, so I don't know if I can really picture him as a dad, but he seems like he's going to bring some uh, some, some real emotion to it. Uh, from what everything I understand, the little girl that they've found, Kennedy Clements, is like a star in the making. Uh, they say that she really carries the film, and they, they've... They've kept a lot of the same elements of the original film. There's the tree. There's the clown. The house looks the same. There's a paranormal investigator who comes in to help the family. Uh, and the the little girl is taken to the other side by these spirits. I mentioned to you guys off the air, I'm a little concerned about the fact that he says it's not just one spirit. It's a poltergeist. Like it's Almost like as if implying that the definition of a poltergeist that there's many spirits. And the... F- Interesting thing about the Poltergeist story from the original trilogy, I don't know if it was the original intent when they first made the film, 
but the spirits don't really turn out to be a poltergeist in the end. It turns out to really just be a, a true haunting with almost a demonic mm-hmm. element to it. Because have you seen two and three? Well, nope. let's let's just keep three off the table. Nope. That never happened, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But so you've never seen two? I don't think so. I don't remember. Basic. So you don't know Reverend Kane? I don't know. Maybe I did see it. Oh yeah. It's 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 the creepiest part of two. It's just his performance. Uh, I think I might have seen it. But the the idea behind it is that he had made a deal with the devil, essentially, to keep his followers with him. Mm -hmm. And they followed him as part of a utopian cult. And he lied to them and told them it was the end of the world, locked them into a cave, blocked them into a cave, and and they all died. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't a poltergeist in the original film, at least not by how we would define a poltergeist. Right. And maybe that's not the case in this one either. But in the original film, if you remember, they got to Carol Ann through the television. Mm-hmm. And that's how they communicated with her. How many TVs did they have in the Freeling household in the original movie in 1981? They had one. No. There's only one TV that they show. Well, there's two. There's There might be a second one in the living room. I don't know if that's the same one from the bedroom. But, like, the kids don't have TVs in their bedroom. In the movie, you know what I mean? Like she's interacting with the television in, in the parents' room. I don't know if they. I just off the top of my head, I can't remember if the living room set was the same as the bedroom set, and they wheeled it out. I think it was a floor model, yeah, as opposed to the smaller one, one that was in the bedroom. So there's two. Was there one in the kitchen? I thought there on the I counter. There was a total of four. I thought there was a total of four. Well, well, we just I, Google it. I don't know if you'll find it. It's, it's such a it's such a small semantical point that I don't think anybody else has ever discussed how many TVs there were in the Freeling household till now. But what's interesting about this, and I've read this with the filmmakers online, they're saying that now it doesn't matter how many TVs you have in the house because there's so many infinite screens in people's lives now. Yep. There's screen. We've got four or five different types of them right here. You know, the computers. We've got the laptop. The smartphones, the television over here. There's even a screen on this phone mm-hmm. that we use to take your calls at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. So there's screens everywhere with us. And if these spirits are getting to, I almost said Caroline, but her name is actually Madison. If these, if these spirits are getting to her through screens, you can't escape screens. You know, in, in 1981, the Freelings could have just turned the TV off and thrown it out and never, you know, they never would have been able to capture Carol Ann. Didn't it turn itself back on? Even when it was yeah, off? Well, Didn't they also do that at the end of the movie? That was that was a great ending. The uh, <laughs> I actually like the ending of the second one better. but So anyway, the fact that, you know, you can't escape this, it's, it's almost like an allegory, and I'm sure a lot of people will review the film and talk about how it is an allegory for the way that we live in society today. We can't escape these demons that capture our attention through these screens. So it has a little bit of a social commentary aspect to it, too. But it's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more terrifying when you think about it that way. Like, if you go back to the beginning of electronic voice phenomena research, a lot of the times, you know, if you go back to the 70s, when Keith and Carl Johnson were conducting EVP sessions with a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and, um, you know, you were going back to... to some of the real grassroots of that movement, you were looking to capture that audio. Now, 
it can happen without you even realizing it. How many times have we had people send us EVPs that they're like, this came through on a voicemail. My phone rang. I didn't recognize the number. I answered it. This is what I heard. Or, you know, I was uh, I was playing back a message that somebody left me, and I heard this in the background. All these different ways that it's able to kind of infiltrate our daily life, mm-hmm. as opposed to before when it was a lot harder. Think about how many musicians that were doing recording sessions in old places. Oh, who is the idiot that spoke over my solo? Right. Yeah, you're ruining you ruined the take. Thanks. But it, it's easier now, if there is going to be spirit communication, for them to reach out. Stephanie, I will ask you, as being somebody who does communicate with mm-hmm. spirits, is that anything that you've had expressed to you? Uh, has there been any kind of confirmation that it is easier now to reach out than it might have been before? I don't know if it's easier to reach out, but I think people are more open to it now. So it doesn't matter like what we're surrounded by in terms of the... Uh, conduits for them. No, because, I mean, if you think about it, way back when, you know, as opposed to even 10 years ago or 15 years ago, all people did was sit around and listen to their radios. And that was really popular. What they, what could have been happening at that time could have just been misconstrued as, you know, something breaking up the the airwaves or things like that. Um, I think, obviously, media has put an influence on what we know today is, you know, communication. Um, so it might be easier with the amount of stuff that we have and the ways to communicate, but um, I think people are more aware of it now and looking for it. I'm just thinking about ITC, you know. Right. I remember mentioning to Chris Balzano when we were discussing the original, I don't remember if it was, we were doing a spooky crossroads show or if it was just a conversation that we were having on the phone, but we were talking about the original poltergeist and... I remember, like, we were discussing the fact that it must be frustrating for those type of spirits to, if they wanted to try to mm-hmm. infiltrate our lives like they did in that movie. <clears throat> excuse me. They can't really do that like they could in the film because <laughs> at no point on any television station anymore do they play the Star Spangled Banner and then go to snow. <laughs> There's no static anymore. TVs have programming 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So one way that, you know, how many t- – we, we were all – I don't know if you're – Old enough, Stephanie, to remember. You, you might be a little bit too young. You might be of the time when, you know, infomercials were already taking over the middle of the night airwaves. I don't know. But we've all been there. I know that we have been where we've gone to sleep with a television on and we've woken up to the snow. I have too. I remember that. And when that happens, whether you've seen Poltergeist or not, I mean, obviously that will have an influence on you. Uh, but even when it happened and you're just sitting there in the dark and you hear that white noise... Mm-hmm. You expect to have something come through. You know, you expect that that is, like, I would be terrified by that when I would wake up in the middle of the night. I still am. Any type of white noise, it makes it very easy. I would have to know the television schedule of what was going to be on all Mm -hmm. the way through. That's why I used to just play NBC Mm -hmm. when I went to sleep, because I knew Johnny Carson would be followed by David Letterman, would be followed by whatever they were running at that time afterwards. And then it would go right into like the early morning news, and there was never going to be any breakup of the of the network. There was never going to be any sign off, and because there was there was nothing that was more terrifying to me than, you know, I would actually wake myself up if I heard the Star Spangled Banner while I was laying in bed, mm-hmm. because I knew that it was going to be white noise, and I had to get up and turn it off because I I didn't want to hear it, I didn't want to see it, I didn't want to experience it. Mm-hmm. So, and I've always slept with something on, right? Like I. I Dead silence drives me crazy. Even now, last night, 
I, have, I keep a bedroom fan. Now I'm freezing my ass off in the room because I've got this fan pointed at us. But, you know, I don't like the dead silence. So I have to keep that on. And the fan died. So then it was so, silent. I was like, oh. Just invest in a humidifier. Nah, well, I have, I have CPAP anyway. So it makes mm-hmm. just enough noise. Excuse yep. me. But... Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it, it's one of those things where when you see it now and and you see somebody kind of taking the modern version of what scared us thirty years ago, thirty five years ago, right? So when you see them taking that and finding a more modern way to terrify you with it, you know maybe it's it's going to cause even now I'm going to be worried when I'm looking at my cell phone in the middle of the night. You know, like I'm going to worry that I'm going to see the screen go weird and hands start coming up through it. So it, it certainly looks like it's going to be... I'm going to be first in line to see the movie. I don't know. We're going to make a field trip, the three of us. Sure. And we can tell Stephanie all about it. Nope. <laughs> what... Is, has there... What, what, well, let me ask, what was the last horror movie that you watched? Mm. Like, even if it's like a horror comedy, can you, can you handle that? What horror comedies are there? Like, have you... Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that was so stupid. I've never, I've never seen that. But what about the Frighteners? Have you? Did you see the Frighteners? No. Could you watch that? I have no idea what it is. Oh, it's great. Eight-legged freaks. Um, I might have seen Tucker and Dale. I haven't seen that either. That's a good movie. Um, I think I watched. Is it called The Omen? (laughs) I wouldn't call that a horror comedy. No, not a horror comedy. Like an actual horror movie. That with Damien. Yeah, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that it? Yeah, yeah that's that. funny. I got forced into that one. Those are probably the only two in in recent years. The Omen was while I was living at my house, and uh, Brennan and I had watched it, and I kind of wished I didn't. And uh, The Exorcism one was uh, 10 years ago. Well, yeah, when it, like when it first came out. Yeah. Is there... Uh you know, is there a certain variety, a certain genre of horror movies that you could watch? Like if it's a slasher movie, you know, like a Freddy Krueger, Jason type of thing? I don't really have interest in that anyways. Right. If no. I want to watch a movie, see, I'm not like a romantic, like, lovey-dovey movie type person either. Like, I like comedies. And when I watch a movie, it has to be funny. Ex- except for Twilight. I watched Twilight when it came on TV. No, I'm just, I'm just messing with it. Because I was bored, and I did end up going to the movies to see the rest of them, because okay. I wanted to see what happened. Except but. Harry Potter. Right. But I read the books. The, you know, the slasher movies, the the Jasons, the Freddies, all that, that never scared me when I was a kid. No, I didn't really care about that. You know, when I was younger, I thought that that was great. I thought it was cool. And that's the thing. Like, And if you ever read Bill Goffier's blog, uh, he actually, on his on his blog, he breaks down all of the, the, night, the Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. movies. And he does a great job of kind of reliving what it was like to be seeing these films when they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, Moniz, you're a little bit older than us, so you were actually kind of able to go out and see them on your own. Yeah. I mean, like, one of the first horror movies that I went to see on my own was um, Halloween, the original Halloween. It was me and a handful of friends, and my friend's mother dropped us off, got us the tickets, because we were too young to get into an R-rated movie, but mm-hmm. she was cool, and we were able to go in, and... That was a scary movie for a kid back right, then. Right, and that was one of the first, like, early slasher films. Yeah. And there was a b- very big psychological element to it. And it wasn't like, you know, by the time you got to the 80s and you got to Freddy Krueger and, and Jason Voorhees, they're trying to make these killers into, like, rock stars. And they're trying to have as much humor in there as they do horror. And Bill does a great job of breaking that all down in, in his 
recollections of, of the experience of it. And you can really see how different it was at that time. So I watch some of these movies that come out now, and I'm like, Pfft. you know, like, this is nothing. Like, uh, you know, I watched the first Saw movie. That was the only one that I ever watched. I did see that, too. I was like, this is just dumb. Like, to me, it, it wasn't interesting, and it wasn't terrifying. That was it more was... of like a psychological thriller. But I, I didn't see I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt like it was weird for the sake of being weird. Yep. And so it doesn't have the same appeal to me. Maybe it's because I've been desensitized by watching, mm-hmm. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 over and over again. Not as a horror movie, but like as an awesome, like, action-adventure movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's... To me, like, the group of people that go up against Freddy in that movie are like, you know, grown-up goonies. It's it's, yeah. it's it's like a team. It's like a team of superhero rejects. Dream warriors. Yeah, and they're they're just you know you root them on, and it's it's a good versus evil story. But and then there was all that weird connection between like just the ten of us and the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and that that turned into like a whole thing with me and my friends too. Like <sighs> like we would like break down the movies. We'd and it wasn't like now where you watch things on DVR mm-hmm. and you can pause it and rewind it and freeze frame it and all that. We would get like bootleg VHS copies of the, the Nightmare and like be like oh wait I think that's one of the cast members of, of just the ten of us like in the background like just there as an extra like it became kind of like a whole uh, like a Paul is dead thing for us where we, we were kind of like breaking it all down and analyzing it so just weird stuff but those movies I think kind of desensitize people in a way to horror movies so now they see a horror movie that comes out and they're like oh you know paranormal activity is so terrifying mm. It's not. If you've seen the movie, it's really not all that terrifying for people like us. Right. Like, oh my God, the door opened up on its own. I thought it was a comedy when I first saw it. (laughs) I had a door slammed shut in my house today, upstairs, when I was home by myself. Yeah, to us, it's kind of run-of-the-mill stuff. Other people would go running out of the house. My first thought, my first fear was somebody's breaking in right now. Right. Well, that should be your first thought. Right. Not, oh my God, it's a ghost. When I got to the, oh, my God, it's a ghost, I just went back downstairs and ate dinner. Right. Then you're like, all right, now I know what it is. not a big deal. Right. But I think that that's part of why, you know, this stuff comes back and scares people. But to me, to get really scared by a horror movie, it has to have a very deep psychological element. Mm -hmm. And when I watched the original Poltergeist, for example, as a kid, I was watching it through the lens of, I'm just like these kids. What would happen if I was in that position? And when I was... Six, seven, eight, nine, and I know I should have been watching it that young, but I did. So when I was that age and I'm watching this movie, that movie was a story about Robbie and Carol Ann Freeling and what they had to deal with when they were confronted by these spirits and and, and how, how their parents couldn't help them and save them. Now that I'm older and I'm a parent myself... The movie terrifies you from that aspect of it because you're like, oh my god, what happened? What if this actually happened to my kids, and I couldn't protect them from whatever this supernatural element was? And so it becomes a completely, and it has a whole new story for it. What what is interesting about it too is, have you uh, have you ever heard the stories about who actually directed Poltergeist? I don't know if we've really covered it here on the show that much, but you know you know who the director is of the original film. Do you remember? Well, see, the original director was Toby Hooper from Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a script by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I thought it was Spielberg. But the story that has come out over the years is that, you know, Spielberg wasn't happy. Toby Hooper wasn't happy working with Spielberg. He ended up walking off the project. And really the film that we see now was directed by Steven Spielberg. And they just kept Toby Hooper's name on it because of how it all worked out with the contracts and everything. So in a sense... 
it becomes a Steven Spielberg film that now scares the hell out of me, which Jaws didn't do. It did for me. I See, I was never afraid of Jaws. I still won't go in the ocean. Close Encounters, that scares me because it's aliens. It's going to scare me no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it only has, Close Encounters only has one terrifying scene. And then the rest of the film is almost like, okay, I hope that that's the way that it goes down when it does go down. What scene do you find terrifying? The abduction scene, where they take the little boy. <laughs> that scares yeah. the hell out of me. Okay. You know, when I'm when I'm six, seven, eight, nine years old watching that movie, you know, I'm like, holy crap, that's Makes exactly what sense. I'm afraid of happening when I'm when I'm mm-hmm. sitting there in my room. Uh, but when when I see like what happened with Poltergeist, if that is a Steven Spielberg movie, how has he been robbing us all these years of not making another horror movie? Uh, I don't know. I mean... The controversy surrounding it, maybe. He's too busy making, like, war movies and... He does make a lot of war movies yeah. now. I think he's one of those people that feels now like he, he's like George Clooney. Like, he has to say something with his movies. He can't just make movies for movies' sake. All right, now we'll we'll put Poltergeist to bed because I think we've probably oh, freaked God. out Stephanie <laughs> enough. But we'll move in kind of a similar vein while we're talking about 80s movies remakes. And again, if anybody wants to call in with anything you'd like to discuss, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. But while we're talking 80s movies remakes, there's a, a rumor that's been going around that they'll be making new Indiana Jones movies. It's not a rumor. Well, it's nothing's... Nothing's fir- firmly contracted. You know, I saw on TMZ, TMZ was talking about how you know, it looked like everything was in place, but nothing has been officially approved, nothing has been officially signed. But there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there about it. And they knew this was going to happen when Disney purchased Lucasfilm. They already are making the new Star Wars, and by all accounts, the new Star Wars should be great. You know, It should kind of deliver for the fans. Uh, but they Hopefully. were like... Well, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a segment that won't approve of anything that gets done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think that maybe the last trilogy left enough of a taste in people's mouths that they'll accept anything at this point. But they were talking about, you know, eventually they'll move on to Indiana Jones because it would be a cash cow for them. The problem is you can't find somebody to step into those shoes. The original idea was that because of the last movie... Shia LaBeouf would take over the role and not be Indiana Jones but be his son and kind of continue the adventures. Well, for anybody who, like me, was completely against that idea, thank God it turns out Shia LaBeouf is absolutely nuts and can't be trusted Mm -hmm. to handle a movie franchise because he apparently can't handle being out in public and, you know, being in the public eye. So you need to find somebody who has that same charm that Harrison Ford brought to that role because it's easy for guys like us and and Moni's probably to some degree even though he's a little bit older but you know it's probably easy for us to idolize Indiana Jones but at the same time it shows us that your hero can kind of be you know mortal as well yeah you know he wasn't a superhero he wasn't somebody that was out there he was very affable very likable he messed up a lot too he did (laughs) and he usually just got lucky that stuff worked out for him and uh (laughs) And, and the fact that you know Harrison Ford has that air about him anyway, uh, and, and it wasn't Han Solo in a in a hat with a bullwhip. You know, he found a way to make it a different character with different dimensions. So for the longest time, I've always been worried about who would take over that role if that ever came to pass. And 
you know, I figured I'd be standing outside the Lucas Home Studios holding a sign protesting when that day came. And now the name that they've announced, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that'll work. And I hadn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy till a couple of weeks ago. During the blizzard, nothing to do. I watched the movie. Uh, I just hadn't gotten around to seeing it yet. And now I'm convinced that Chris Pratt would be a perfect Indiana Jones. Not just from what I saw in that movie, but what I've seen of him he could make as a happen. person. I think he would do a great job with it, and I think he would bring the same type of approach to it. Uh, because you need somebody who won't take it so seriously. You know, Indiana Jones is not supposed to be an action star. He's supposed to be kind of an accidental uh, hero. You know, the, and it, it's hard, too, to, to pull off what Harrison Ford was able to do when he had the glasses on. When he had the suit on, you know, he was an academic. And and when he put on the hat and, and you know, he put on the, the khaki shirt and all that stuff, then it was kind of, all right. You could sense in him he was the academic who's now, let me get my hands dirty. And and that's really hard to pull off, and I, I think that Chris Pratt can probably do it. I don't know. Him. He's like, it, it seems really believable, like, he would get into the same precarious situations that Indiana Jones would because that always happened. He always got stuck in some sort of situation where, he's, you know, they had to work themselves out of. Yeah, he wasn't somebody. See, the, that's a misconception a lot of people have about Indiana Jones. Without going back and thinking about it, is they think that he's like uh, just this, you know, just this incredible person that can walk in and be like, "All right, that's booby trap. That's booby trap. That's booby trap. I'm going to beat all this and grab that idol." And that's not it at all. It's let me go get that idol, and then ah, oh, I shouldn't have stepped there. You know, and that's kind of how we would all put ourselves in that role. The the only difference is he finds a way to overcome it. You're a girl, Stephanie, right? Um, last time I checked. So the <laughs> growing up, how did you feel about Indiana Jones? Because I've found that it's a, Indiana Jones is a Three Stooges type of line of demarcation between men and women. You know, a lot of women do not like the Three Stooges. Some do, but a lot do not. And a lot of women don't like Indiana Jones. Maybe I am not a girl. I don't know because I uh, I watch Three Stooges with my dad all the time, and I watch Indiana Indiana Jones with him too. So well, that's why you're here. Otherwise, we we wouldn't like you. You'd be yucky. I get yeah. I'm the uh, yucky. the yucky. <laughs> why would you be yucky? Because girls are yucky. Oh, okay. But well, I don't mind them. I when- watched them. When I was in, like, first and second grade, I remember playing out on the playground at recess, and we would fight over who got to be Indiana Jones and who had to be short round. You know, and the one Asian kid in my class was always like, you know, screw you guys. I'm tired of always being short round. I want to be Indiana Jones once. Oh, my God. So one time we're like, okay, today you get to be Indiana Jones, and then everybody just proceeded to do really bad, like, Asian voices at the kid all day. So he was actually more mad that he finally got to be Indiana Jones. Well, it wasn't that we were intentionally doing it. We were trying to talk like short round. It just sounded terrible. <laughs> so there, you know, there's, I don't know. I don't even know where we went down the rabbit hole here with this discussion tonight, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's certainly been all over the place, but a lot of memories of uh, when we were kids in the eighties. Are we just talking about what movies are coming out this year or why you got another one that you want to talk about? Well, Jurassic world. Uh, another, another Chris Pratt. Pratt yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's a, a, a movie that when, I saw that it was coming out. I was like, I think they milked that cow enough. Like, yeah. where else could you go? But apparently they found a new way to go with it. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks really good. I mean, the trailer was amazing. The Well, uh, 
trailers are though. I know. There's, the trailers there's a, are very. There's like, an art to trailers these days in, in selling yeah, a movie yeah. that. Like I like I said to somebody who is a huge Dumb and Dumber fan, and when he said, "Have you seen Dumb and Dumber 2? And I was like, "No, I haven't." He goes, "Well." You got to see it. It's hilarious. It's like it looks like one of those movies where they ruined all the best jokes in the trailer. He said, "Nope, nope, not at all." So, there is an art to the trailer to being able to sell the movie to people without giving away all the goods. I, I know that a lot of them just do that. Now, what about Beverly Hills Cop? I didn't hear this. It's been kind of floating around in the works for quite a while. They have been talking about doing another movie. Then they decided instead to do a TV show, and the TV show would focus on Axel Foley's son, with Eddie Murphy making guest appearances on the TV show. Then they scrapped that. It's not that. like Jaden Smith, is it? No, it wasn't Jaden right. Smith. They, then they scrapped that idea, and now they're talking about maybe doing another movie. And the rumor that I heard was somehow involving whether they go with a father-son angle or whatever, but having Jay Farrow be in the film. <laughs> Which that'd be good. I think that would be great for him. That'd be a star-making turn for them. Have you have you ever seen Jay Farrow? Either of you? He's on Saturday Night Live now. No. Basically, and I don't mean this in a in a racist way, but there's no black person that he cannot impersonate. He he's very he is a very good impersonator. He does like a dead-on Denzel, <laughs> yeah. Will Smith, Kanye, Jay Z. It's eerie, really. Oh, he plays Obama now on on SNL, which. By the way, you know, screw you, Lauren Michaels, because how did you have Jay Farrow on the cast for like two years while you had Fred Armisen, a white guy, playing Barack Obama? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Especially when Jay Farrow, like... Maybe there's a contract with cold opens that you have to sign. You have to have, like, the most overexposed talent <laughs> yeah, be involved so. in it. So, it's <laughs> pretty soon. Actually, I, I heard... Uh, again, we're we're just talking. I hope they throw in the uh, if they do make the Beverly Hills Cop movie, they throw in the banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Judge Reinhold still alive? Yeah. I okay, I just want to. I just want they can't. You can't have Beverly Hills Cop without Billy. I'm sure he's going to be at South Coast uh, Twenty Hour Show. <laughs> we can ask him firsthand. <laughs> be like, are you coming? It's like, all right, it's great if you make another Beverly Hills Cop. I want to know though, when is. Uh, Vice Versa 2 coming out. I don't even know what that is. You don't, you don't know what Vice Versa is? Oh, man. Are you serious? No, it's Vice Versa. Vice Versa was the movie where... <laughs> see, we only have about three minutes left for me to take you down this, this is like this journey of... It's uh, like Billy Jack, because I... Right. Like when you guys had to explain Billy Jack. We did have to explain Billy Jack to you. and, and <laughs> See, I was in your shoes. Stephanie. See that? And you are now. You don't, do you know Billy Jack? Nope. Brendan, you make her watch <laughs> Billy Jack tomorrow. All of them. All like six or seven or whatever there is. Uh, the uh, the uh, what were we talking about? Vice versa. In the eighties, apparently there was this huge problem where fathers and sons kept switching bodies. <laughs> it was an epidemic. I, yeah. And they made. I was they, aware. I was. I was aware. They made a few different yeah. documentaries about it. I think they were. Were I they documentaries? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vice versa was Judge Reinhold was the dad, and Fred Savage was the kid. <laughs> I love Fred Savage. And they ended up anything Fred Savage. They ended up getting you know in each other's bodies. Excellent. Not not in a sexual way. Like they changed bodies. I like how you have to make that note. And <laughs> so so that happened. And and in that movie, Fred Savage was just awesome. 
I mean, Judge Reinhold was pretty good too, but Fred Savage was awesome. And I think it was he brought home some like mysterious idol. Yeah, skull. Yeah, and and like so that was kind of the impetus for how that happened. But around the same time, there was the other movie that came out, like Father Like Son. Was that with Kirk Cameron? Kirk Cameron yes, and W. Moore, where they switched bodies. And I forget what what it was that made them switch bodies. But then there was another one that came out around that time. Freaky maybe. Friday. Well, there was Freaky Friday. That was in the seventies, the original one. Then yeah. the remake was in like two thousand. Okay. But there was the uh, the other one that came out in like nineteen ninety, called Eighteen Again, and that was where Charlie Schlatter, who would later switch bodies with Matthew Broderick and play play Ferris Bueller on a TV show, but that was where Charlie Schlatter switched bodies with George Burns. So. <laughs> And at the same time, you also had Big, which, you know, it was the same guy in just his older body, but still. Apparently in the 80s, people had a lot of problems staying in the body that they were born into. Mm. So I'm glad that whatever it was, they developed a vaccine for it, and it stopped happening. Right. Maybe, you know, it'll, maybe the- it'll happen again, because nobody takes vaccines, apparently. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. We're all going to yeah. stop taking the uh, MMR vaccine, and <laughs> next thing you know, dads and sons will be switching bodies all over the place. It's going to be messy when all those nine-year-olds are out there trying to drive, and they're already awkward 39-year-old bodies. So, Well, thankfully, we've run out of time for this week's show. Before we start talk- <laughs> before we start getting into Beastmaster, uh, and what other 80s gems can we bring up? Um, Crawl. Strange Brew, Crawl. Uh, we haven't talked about Little Monsters yet, Same. or the original Troll. Or tro- Troll 2. Troll Classic. 2. Uh, but we'll have to get into all that some other time because uh, we do have to say goodnight for tonight. But until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want all of you out there to make sure that you stay spooktacular. <laughs>